Welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Hello, hello. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful day. Um, Let's see. I was not here last Thursday because we went down to the horse show in Thermal. So that was a lot of fun. Um, We took three horses. And for those of you guys that don't know, Thermal is like down near Palm Springs. So it's like kind of the desert. It was very hot down there. It was like 90 degrees, very dusty. Hi, Susan. Um, But it was super fun. And I'm very grateful to my husband to going with me. Uh, He really helped with the driving. It was a long drive and getting the horses ready. There's no way that I could do all of that without him. So I, I posted some video of Harvey. Harvey did the I2. And I also took Natasha. Natasha is a Grand Prix horse that belongs to a client of mine. And um, a funny story from the horse show, because uh, I think it's important that you guys know, you know, we all have show nerves and we all sometimes lose our focus a little bit in the horse show. Let's see. Hi, Susan and Cindy and Peggy. Yeah, so that was fun that I was able to show the video to all of you guys. But anyways, some of the video that I didn't show when I was riding Natasha in the Grand Prix, you have to do a zigzag, the canter zigzag. It's like one of the hardest movements. It's a coefficient. So you do three, six, 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 three. And um, with Natasha, it's really hard that you want to be symmetrical. So you want to go as far to the left of the center line as you go to the right. And with Natasha, she goes like really easily to the left and has a really hard time going to the right. So I was doing the zigzag and I was like so happy that I was actually going to the right of the center line that I did an extra zag in the zigzag. And I didn't really realize it until like after I finished the zigzag and I was going um, to do my one tempies. But it was so funny because the judge, he like threw his hands up in the air at the end of my zigzag. And then at the end of the test, he um, made some comments about how I wasn't going to get extra points for like doing an extra zigzag. So that was kind of unfortunate. It was definitely an expensive air, but that's just part of showing. Um, Natasha, I was so proud of her. Like she really tried her heart out for me in the show ring. And Natasha has a hard time with the heat. So um, I know I posted some photos of me walking her with a nebulizer, and that helps with her breathing. I I just do it with steam, like with distilled water at the horse show. At home, I use medication, but at the horse show, I do just distilled water to help her breathe. And then also, since it was so hot, I I had to be like so clever with the warm-up. So because I didn't want her to get overheated, but I needed to get her ready to go do the Grand Prix. So it was basically a challenge of like how to get her 
ready um, without doing too many footsteps. So I would do like a little segment and then there was a little shady place I could take her and let her cool off. And we also had some ice water with some alcohol in it to sponge down her neck and like get her to cool off and then do a little more work, get her to cool off. So that worked really well for her and she just tried her heart out in the ring. So big thank you to Karen Drown. If she's watching, Karen is Natasha's owner and she's so supportive and it's just wonderful to have the opportunity to compete a Grand Prix horse like that because the Grand Prix is really hard to ride and the more times that you get to go down the center line and just get through the test is really fun. So Hopefully next year, Harvey will be doing the Grand Prix, but until then, it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. And the freestyle is also super fun. Natasha does in the freestyle, two tempies on a half circle right into one tempies. And that's like an incredibly hard movement. Not many horses can do it. And we pulled it off twice without a mistake in the freestyle. So that was pretty cool. Um, What else? Okay. Um, we have a lot of good questions from you guys to answer tonight, which I'm super excited to see that. Also, uh, for those of you guys that are part of the monthly workshops, next month we are going to be doing half halts. That's the focus of the workshop. If you're not part of the academy and you're struggling with half halts, definitely consider joining. Half halts are so important and so misunderstood, but half halts are basically how you communicate with your horse, how you like gather the energy and get ready for whatever's coming next, whether it's a transition, an upward transition, a downward transition, a corner, a lateral movement, an extended trot. Half halts are super important. And one thing that I think is really difficult about half halts is that First of all, half halt is like a misnomer because you're not halting. Like there's really nothing to do with halts about a half halt. So that's tricky. It's also tricky because every horse requires a different half halt and every moment requires a different half halt. So like sometimes you need to ride a half halt a certain way versus other times it has to be another way. So I'm really looking forward to half halts. I have a bunch of great exercises for you guys to start practicing your half halts. Those will be available on the 1st of November. And if you want to join the workshop, you may. So yes, Jackie, it's going to be an awesome discussion. Uh, let me see. Okay, let me pull up the questions that we have here. So, um, Sarah asked, your horse is a dream boat. What breed is he? So, yeah, Harvey, my horse Harvey, he is a Dutch warm blood and he is beautiful. I will say that. So, all right. Next question is from Heather. I would love to know how do you teach a horse to respond to leg pressure when they have learned to be numb to it and resist going forward? My mare is seven and I feel like I'm having to retrain her foundations, which is a lot harder than starting when they are young. I will try to get up at 4 a.m. here in Kenya. Oh my gosh, Heather's in Kenya. That's so cool. I hope you're watching, Heather. 4 a.m. in Kenya. Okay, so this is a good question and 
let me know in the chat if you have a horse that is numb to your legs. You can just put a yes if you have a horse that's numb to your legs, because this is definitely difficult. Once your horse gets numb to the legs, but you can retrain this. I mean, horses are so amazing because they're very honest creatures. And if you change the rules and if you are consistent about how you use your legs, then you can get your horse to respond to them. So the philosophy of this is it's all about pressure and release. And um, like if I want my horse to go forward, I start with the aid that I want them to respond to. So I want them to respond to my calf. So I close my calf. I wait like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. If nothing happens, then I make an aid that gets the correction. So then if my horse doesn't respond, I'll take my leg away. I'll give him a big old kick and shoot them forward. So I may have to go more forward than I wanted to. But basically I go from like one, say one is the aid that I want them to listen to. Then I jump up to a seven or an eight aid, which gets the horse to really explode and go more forward than I originally wanted. Then I come back and then I go to that just one aid again, where I'm asking very politely, very softly. Then if they don't listen, I make the correction. A lot of times the mistakes people make and why horses get dull is because they forget to use that subtle aid first. So instead of just trying to like use your calf, a lot of us were like, oh man, my horse is lazy and I just know I'm going to have to spur and whip and kick. And so you just go to the spur and kick and you never use that more subtle aid. So then you just end up having to put on bigger spurs and more whips and all of that. And that's how you desensitize your horse. But you can resensitize them again. You just have to be super consistent about like first use your calf give them a chance to respond, then give them a big old kick and make a, make a reaction, make an explosion happen. And when the horse does go forward, it's really important that you take your legs away. It's also important when your horse does go forward that you don't get in their way, that you follow them with your seat, that you allow them to move forward before you just um, stop them with your hands. So I hope that helps you, Heather, in Kenya. All right, let's see. Beth has a question. How do you evaluate whether your horse is suited to be a competitive dressage horse? Uh, that's a good question, Beth. And I think that part of it is like to be a competition horse is like anything else. It's a something they have to learn. So horses it's easiest to teach them when they're young. Like I like to get my horses when they're four or five and start taking them away to shows so that they just kind of start to get the idea of like, okay, I go to a show, I do my thing, I come back home. And the first few shows are always kind of exciting. And it takes a while for the horse to build their confidence. Uh, like Harvey, for example, the first few years and sometimes even now it shows he will get like really excited 
And, um, but he kind of knows the deal. He knows that we go to a show, we go down the center line, we do our test, we go home. As far as the other side of that, it is, if you want to really compete in dressage and do well, you need to have a horse that has the appropriate confirmation and gates because that's what the judge is looking for. So that's not to say that if you don't have a warm blood, you can't compete, but you do need to have a horse that is fit and healthy and that has confirmation and kind of a mindset that lends itself to being a competition horse. Not all horses do, and that's okay. So hopefully that answers your question. Let's see who else is here. Okay, um, next question is another question about legs. So Yiva says, do you have any advice or exercises for being more effective with your outside leg? I notice, especially when doing leg yields, that I have a hard time keeping my outside leg on the side of the horse. Okay, that's an interesting question. But when you're doing a leg yield, right, your inside leg is the active leg at the girth because your inside leg is what's pushing the horse over. But it's important that your outside leg is still there because even though you're moving sideways and you might have more activity with your inside leg, your outside leg's job is to keep the horse still stepping forward and not bulging through their outside shoulder. So one great exercise to work on this in the leg yield specifically is to do the staircase. I have some videos on YouTube on this that you can check out, but basically you're going to go over. So push the horse over from your inside leg for three or four steps, ride straight for three or four steps using your outside leg, because that's going to drive the horse straight and then move them over again from your inside leg and then go straight. So that's a really good exercise. You can even like, say you're doing a leg yield and you feel like your horse is just falling through your outside leg maybe even go straight a little bit and then push them the other way because dressage is all about control. And it's like, yes, you want your horse to move over, but only as much as you want. You don't want them to just like fall through the opposite side either. They need to stay responsive and respectful to both your legs. That's the hard part, right? Your horse needs to be responsive to the left leg and to the right leg. They can't just like go running sideways off the left leg and forget about your right leg. And that is a common theme that I see a lot with horses is they'll like listen to one side and for totally forget about the other side. So good question. Oh, Sabine says that she loves the training track. Yeah, I posted a little video of me um, riding Kensington around the property. We got a ton of rain here in California on Monday, which is great because hopefully, fingers crossed, we won't have too many fires this season. Um, but since I was at the horse show, we didn't put the tarps on the arenas, which meant that we didn't have an arena to ride in. So I was doing some like trail riding around the property. We actually filmed a really cool video today on dressage exercises that you can do on the trail. So that's going to be coming out soon. And that was fun. Okay. Um, Catherine has a question about a shambone. 
and using that as a training aid. So I have never used a shambone on a horse. Um, and I don't think I would recommend it because it's like a fixed pressure. Um, so yeah, I would not recommend using that. I think that it's always important to teach your horse from the beginning how to give to pressure and teach them to drop their pole and teach them to bend. And if you're having trouble and you feel like you need to use a training aid, I think it's better to go back and do some groundwork or like figure out a different way to explain it to your horse rather than just tying their head down. Okay. Let's see. Catherine here says, in thinking about the AIDS question and ignoring the outside leg, do you suggest any exercises for young horses to keep to help them keep focus on both sets of AIDS? Um, yeah. So one of my favorite exercises for helping the horse to stay focused on the inside and the outside is doing lots of serpentine. So lots of changes of direction, like going turning left, turning right, turning left, turning right. I think that's really the best way to get your horse where they are listening to both sides. And, and it also really helps with suppleness and also with straightness because many horses are very one-sided because everything we do is like from the left side. So Lots of times they don't want to bend as much to the right. They're not as comfortable to the right. So just lots of changes of direction. It doesn't have to be a perfect serpentine. Um, you can just kind of like, like we have a big arena at our barn. And if I have a young horse with too much energy, I'll just turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. It gets them listening to my, both my legs, both my reins. And that's a really good exercise. All right, um, Lynn, what is the correct way to ride the eight meter Volte? Okay, that is a good question, Lynn. So basically an eight meter Volte, for those of you guys that don't know, a Volte is just a fancy way of saying a small circle. And in the FEI levels, you have to do eight meter Volte. So in the pre-St. George and the I-1, you have to do eight meter Volte, which is small. One of the biggest mistakes that people make on the eight meter Volte is they make it too big. So it's really important when you do the Volte that you do not get to the center line. If you're starting on the rail, stay two meters to the inside of the center line because the judge will notice if you do 10 meters instead of eight meters. So that's probably the most important thing. Um, I was, I actually was listening to something that Carl Hester was saying, which I thought was really helpful about thinking about your small circles in four parts. So you start the circle, you release, you make the second part of the circle, you release. You make the third part of the circle, you release. And then you finish your circle. And I think that that's really important when you make circles is that you kind of like turn, relax, turn, relax, turn, relax. Because a lot of times what happens is we're thinking, oh, we have an eight meter Volte and it's really small. So you're just like going to crank your horse around and put so much pressure on your horse that you're going to kill the energy in the eight meter circle. So I think that that's really important. Have an energetic trot, have your horse 
um, supple and collected before you start the eight meter volte. And then think about like turn, release, turn, release, turn, release, turn, release. Get your horse sensitive to the aid so that it's almost like you start the circle and they would kind of think about finishing it on their own. Okay. Um, yeah. So some of you guys that are watching, for those of you guys, just so you know, I'm live on YouTube and Facebook at the same time. So that's why some of you guys aren't seeing all of the chat. I also always ask for questions beforehand. So a lot of these questions are from Amelia's Dressage Club on Facebook, which if you're not a member of Amelia's Dressage Club, you should be because it's like the most awesome supportive group of dressage riders ever. But so on Thursday, I always ask like, what questions do you guys have for me? And then I started where I go live both on YouTube and on Facebook to answer your questions almost every Thursday night, unless I'm at a horse show with too many horses. Okay, um, let's see. This is an interesting question from Natalie. When you are riding a client's horse as a trainer, Amelia, what are you hoping the owner will learn or change or do differently? I'm moving my horse soon and for the first time ever, we'll be having a trainer ride him three times a week. I don't know what to expect exactly. I've been very resistant to this because he can be difficult and I don't like it when people criticize him. Can you give me some pointers of having a professional ride your horse and also things to watch out for things that are not okay in your view. I'm going to try to join the live stream tonight. Okay, um, so this is a really good question, Natalie. And I do think that it is really important and good if you have a good trainer to let your trainer ride your horse a few times a week for several reasons. One is that when I get to ride, like say I have a student, when I get to ride the horse, it really helps me figure out how to teach them better. So if I can like get on the horse and feel the horse and feel what's happening, I'm in a better position to be able to instruct that person how to ride the horse. Because even though I work really hard on developing my eye, sometimes what you see and what you feel is different. So that's one thing that is really good about having a trainer ride your horse. It's also good if you have a trainer ride your horse because sometimes it can really up your horse's level and help you get to that next level. So there was this one time that I went for a lesson with Stefan Peters and I had my horse Trump, who was a difficult horse. And Stefan was like, come here, get off. Stefan got on and rode Trump not for that long, for like 10 or 15 minutes. And when I got on Trump, it was like the most incredible feeling. Like he literally transformed him in not that long of time. And he was so supple and soft and uphill and engaged. It was like such a memorable feeling. And I think so much of riding is feel. So if your trainer can get on your horse and help your horse figure out some things and feel a little different, then when you get back on, you can have that feeling in your body and you can try to recreate it. So I think that it is a good thing to have a trainer ride your horse. One thing that I think is really important that I've definitely learned as I've gotten older 
and it's important to discuss with your trainer is what are your goals for your horse and to make that clear to your trainer. So many of my students, when I ride their horses, my goal is to make that horse better for them to ride. So I'm not necessarily getting on one of my students' horses with the idea of like, I'm going to make this horse my next Grand Prix horse. So the way that I ride my clients' horses is slightly different than the way that I ride Harvey, for example. So that's not to say that you know, dressage is dressage. And of course, you're always focusing on the basics. But when I'm riding for a client, I'm thinking first and foremost, always about safety, about making the horse simple and safe for them to ride. I think that's the most important thing. So I wouldn't like get on a client's horse and, um, you know, make them as hot as Harvey, because then they're not going to be able to ride the horse. I also think it's really important that as a trainer, that you have realistic expectations for the horses. So for example, if I have am getting on a client's horse and um, the client is riding at training level and the client's not that fit and neither is the horse, I'm going to take that into account. I'm not going to get on the horse and just start like beating the horse and expecting the horse to do all these upper level movements when it hasn't been expected to do that. So it's important as a trainer too, to be fair to the horse. And if the horse has some bad habits or is very unfit, you need to take time to fix that. You can't just get on and start like attacking the horse because it's not the horse's fault. So I think Natalie, my advice to you would be to just have a genuine um, discussion with your trainer about what your goals are for your horse and for yourself so that you're all on the same page, because I think that's really helpful. Like if I know, you know, the goal is not to go to the Olympics, the goal is just that I want to have a good relationship with my horse and I want to stay safe. And if it takes a little longer, that's totally okay. I hope that helps. Yes, Donna says you have a great trainer in Texas. Good. I'm going to Texas next week, actually. I'll be doing a clinic near Dallas um, next weekend. So that should be fun. All right. What else do we have here? Lorena, how can you get the canter walk transition without trot steps? Okay. So like everything in dressage, it's all about preparation. So to get from canter to walk, you need to have your horse really collected, really on the hind end. One of my favorite exercises is to prepare for the canter walk with a 10 meter circle and then do the transition from canter to walk, like right when your horse is coming to the rail. So right when the head is coming to the rail, that's when you would ask for the walk. And that kind of puts an automatic half halt to your horse. Um, if you feel like your horse is collected and everything's good and they're just kind of lazy about trotting, then what I would do is I would actually halt, maybe do a few um, rain back steps and just be like, hey, get on your butt, then canter again. And sometimes that will help to clean up the canter walk transition so that you don't have any trot steps. Okay. Um, 
let's see. This is a question from someone's name that I can't pronounce. So how, it sounds like they have a green horse that reacts to the pressure of the foot by running away. How do I know if this behavior is due to fear or resistance to the aid? The horse is four years old and was born in my stable. Okay, so that's an interesting question. It sounds like, you know, when you put your leg on the horse, this is kind of the opposite of the person whose horse was numb to the leg, but some horses are overly sensitive to the leg or to the aids in general. And so part of what we need to do in dressage is kind of like find this middle ground where you don't want your horse to be unreactive and lazy, but you also don't want your horse to be like hyper reactive where you can't put your leg on and you can't put your aids on. So if I have a horse that is like, will not let my leg be on, um, one thing I always go back to with young horses is groundwork. And I've actually been working a lot on the groundwork course that I have coming out soon. But I like to do a lot of like rubbing the horse in the belly, touching them on the flank, using the flag. Um, I'll even like put my Western saddle and just like move the stirrups around and just kind of desensitize their sides to, you know, things banging around and touching them. So that's what I would start with is, you know, from the ground, really kind of like desensitizing. It's really important when you do desensitizing work that you do it with a horse standing still, but also do it with a horse moving forward around you in the circle. So that's where I would start. And then when you're riding the horse, um, I think that it's really important if you have a horse that's super hot to the leg, you want to kind of have a coddling leg. So with a hot horse, you want to keep your legs near, keep your legs on. Because if you take your leg off and then put it on again, it's going to like shoot them forward. So you want to kind of keep your legs a little closer so that the horse just becomes accustomed to the pressure of that. So I hope that helps you guys. Um, what else? My husband made yummy dinner. It smells really good. Um, what else do we have? Oh, I have some really cool drone footage to show you guys. So thank you, Sylvia. We, I show, I was doing um, like serpentines and a lot of the dressage figures filming it from above. And it came out really cool, like where we are able to superimpose the horse. So it looks like a bunch of little horses showing you guys how to ride the dressage movement. So that's when it's coming out soon. Um, we also did a survey. If you have taken one of my courses and you filled out the survey, thank you so much. It was so nice to um, get feedback and hear your guys' responses because I am very dedicated to making my programs as useful as and as helpful as possible to you guys. It's so awesome to see like, okay, we have about 72 people watching on Facebook and 50 people watching on YouTube. So that is amazing that you guys are all here to learn about dressage. And I'm so grateful to all of you. I got to meet some of you guys at the show last weekend. So that's always fun when you guys come and meet me. And this one lady was like, oh, you're my trainer. And I was like, okay, that's funny because I've never met you before. But I really am 
excited about helping you guys and continuing to share all the knowledge that I have and also to continue learning myself because that is what is so fun about dressage is that you're never done learning. So that's it for tonight. And I will see you guys all next Thursday at 6 p.m. And if you have questions, be sure to ask me on Amelia's Dressage Club um, leading up to the live event. Alrighty, everyone, have a wonderful evening. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.